Welcome to the Crypto Campfire. They're not great at advice. Can they interest you in a sarcastic comment? Mitch and the Professor. Featuring special guest, Empty Banks. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Campfire Podcast. This is the Professor. And Mitch. And today we've got Empty Banks on the show. But before we start talking to him, let's take a look at the crypto news from the Crypto Gen. Thanks, Professor. Hello, Crypto Campfire listeners, and welcome to the Cryptocurrency News in a Flash with the Crypto Gent. As Bitcoin price struggles around $10,000, some analysts are warning of a 2018-style dump, and the others are saying that it's not at the top of the new bull cycle yet. Samsung-backed blockchain startup raises $7.5 million from Shinhan Bank. Swiss private bank says 400 new clients demanding crypto products. And that's the cryptocurrency news in a flash with the crypto gents. Back to you, Professor. Thanks a lot, crypto gent. So, Mitch, you're uh, <laughs> hanging out with Clint Westwood right now. I understand. I am. That's, uh, that's a match made in heaven or a disaster. Oh. With you. Yeah, it can be a combination <laughs> of many, many things. This has been, this has been an experience already. I, you know, there's something to be said about going to somebody's home and feeling so comfortable and so at peace and so welcome and i've received that here and you know just it's just i don't know it's heartfelt you know and it just it's really it's really cool it's a it's a wonderful experience and you know you just don't you don't run across that every day so you know i wanted to throw a big shout out to clint and his family and uh a big thank you for for you know allowing me into their home and and uh making me feel like family so it's cool I want to say thanks. Yeah, he's a cool dude. And, and him and his family are just amazing. How much trouble oh, yeah. you guys gotten into already? <laughs> well, we haven't really gotten into too much trouble. Today was kind oh, of a quick paced day. You know, we went and <laughs> um, he got his hair cut. So we went out that way and then waited for some place to open so we could grab some grub and just kind of hung out. We're, I think the trouble is really going to start this evening. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So you're going to live stream all your trouble, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to try and live stream. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Do we do just segments or just set up the phone and just let it run? You know, <laughs> you kind of a thing. Run 24 seven. Yeah. You Anybody can join on whenever they want. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. It's going to be an amazing week. I St. Louis is coming up at the end. I'm really stoked to get down there and uh, meet everybody. Oh yeah. Before we run off down that rabbit hole, let's, uh, let's circle back around let's bring empty banks into the conversation here and let's uh, get this podcast started so banks what's up man how you guys doing good good it's good to have you on the show welcome yeah i'm looking forward to it been uh listening to a lot of your uh podcast man you guys uh you guys are on point thanks man I, we appreciate that absolutely thank you very much so i'm going to give a just a real brief background to the listeners about how this podcast started so i was scrolling through twitter just looking for random people to see if there was anybody that stood out to ask to come on the show so we can get some variety. Um, as I'm scrolling, I see this like super, super nice 64 Cadillac. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. And then here we are. So we're, we're looking forward to figuring out how you got into crypto and uh, what you're doing in the space right now. So if you want to just kind of give us a background on how you found crypto and what's going on in your life. Cool. I got uh, a while back. A buddy of mine was, uh, a buddy of mine was trying to, you know, convert me like like all good friends 
do in the beginning and uh kind of got the kind of got the ball rolling in my head uh i was doing a bit of travel and i came back in uh i came back into town and went out for some uh went out for some drinks and he convinced me to download a wallet and transferred me a little bitcoin showed me how it worked and i was pretty intrigued by that and uh kind of swallowed the red pill and started really digging in and uh the rest is history you know it just kind of sucked me in like a black hole and um i was just pretty overwhelmed you know i was i was pretty you know i was pretty pissed off with the whole um 2008 2009 banking crisis and all the uh all the dead bodies that left and the fact that you know nobody went to jail um nobody uh you know and, you know, the fuckers just got bailed out. So, I, you know, that, that had a, like a really bad taste in my mouth. So this, this thing kind of hit home and, and made a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a neutral peer to peer decentralized network where we can exchange the value without any permission or intermediaries. And it kind of disrupted the whole system that's, that we all know is so corrupt, you know. So I, I kind of sw- I swallowed it whole. I, I went in deep. Um, started going to a bunch of Bitcoin meetups in uh, New York City. Um, met a lot of really cool people. Um, you know, they definitely helped me along. Um, this was about the, you know, probably the around the summer of 2013. Um, the price was the price was pumping pretty good. You know, we got uh, we got up about I don't know a thousand. 1200 and then and then it dumped and then we had like a good uh two-year bear market that really shook a lot of people out you know <laughs> so i kind of i kind of earned my red wings so to speak with that that was really tough you know a lot of people i know just kind of bailed after that um and you know there's a, there's a few handful of people that you know that helped me out as far as uh you know you know, remain, remaining, you know, sticking with it and, you know, seeing, seeing it for what it really is. And then, you know, as time goes by, you kind of understand the, you know, the, the bull and bear cycles of this thing, you know, it's so new. And, uh, you know, it's such a crazy experiment, you know, I mean, you know, what do you expect? I mean, a lot of people, kinda, you know, avoid it because of the volatility, you know, but, you know, you kind of you kind of learn to love the volatility right yeah the risk and reward of it you know of it all it's like people got to remember you know the lower the risk obviously the lower the potential of reward so you know i guess if you look at it from a risk reward standpoint it can it can be quite um rewarding if you're willing to take the risk well tell me about it tell me about it i mean <laughs> i mean I, I i held i held tight it wasn't easy but i managed to uh I managed to take quite a bit of profits in 2017 and I bought, yeah, I bought myself uh, some property and um, partnered up with a couple of businesses and, you know, basically built, built a cash register off of Bitcoin really, really improved my life. It allowed me to kind of retire from the workforce and basically focus on, you know, what I wanted to do instead of what I had to do. Well, good for you for sticking through. I mean, like uh, the bear market was uh, fucking rough. Like for me, 2018 was, you know, I, I got, I didn't get in as early as you did. So I never went through any of the bear markets before that, you know? So uh, 2018 was my first bear market and it wasn't, 
I mean, it was pretty bad, you know, for sure, but it only lasted about a year. We're obviously back, you know, sitting right around 11,000 right now. It's, there's still, there's still could drop more for sure. And if it takes another year, it takes another two years. I don't give a shit. I'm ready. But uh, a lot of people didn't make it through. You know, like you said, there was a lot of blood in the streets and it just, uh, lots of people just disappeared. Yeah. 2018 was, was, I, I see that, that bear was, was a little bit different because the, the violent swings, you know, in, um, you know, from, from like February to April, I mean, there was some really violent swings, bounces and, and dips that, you know, there was, you know, a lot of people still held hope. I mean, a lot, I, mean I know, I know a lot of traders that, that made out like a bandit cause they're, you know, they're, they're really good at, 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 you know, TA and, and reading, reading charts. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking horrible at it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, like clobber my way through a few trades, but if I if I try to say that it's because of any TA that I thought I was doing, I'd be totally bullshit. <laughs> it's interesting that you say the volatility was you know sharper or more pointed rather in in the 2018 bear market. All the big dips and swings was it a little more smooth back then, or what's your interpretation of that? I think in the in the beginning in the beginning like in in 2014. It was, uh, I mean, we had a pretty, a pretty good sized dump that really, that really fucked people up. And then, and then it just kind of mellowed out and then, and then it seemed to like drag forever. Um, and it just, you know, from what I remember, it just made people kind of question their position, you know, like, you know, is this, is this experiment like fucking toast? I think it was right around, right around the time, uh, everybody got goxed. Well, when, when Mount Gox went down. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people lost, you know, people lost a shit ton of money, but, um, I, I was never, I was never trading. Um, I always used, um, uh, I always used it for what it really, you know, like I, I got a lot of my coins from like, uh, you know, Bitcoin meetups, um, peer to peer, you know, I'd show up with, I'd show up with some cash and, you know, buy a few coins here and there. Um, and then just, you know, collect them over the years that we didn't really have a lot of great, I never really used a lot of fiat on ramps. Like, um, I know coin, I think Coinbase was around back then. I I never, never really used it. So, uh, local Bitcoins was really big in in New York, you know, back then you can, back then, like, you know, use local Bitcoins. People were like really pumped. They were like, Oh shit. You know, I get this, I get this whole they get to, you know, sell those dudes some, some big points for cash. And, you know, they would, you know, a lot of times we'd end up going, having a, having a beer afterwards and, and just shooting shit. And it turned into like a, a one-on-one Bitcoin meetup where now, you know, now you do it, you got to actually roll with some backup because there's just a lot of scammers and shit. So that's funny. Cause we just talked about that in the episode that we recorded uh, with coin flip talking about uh, the, the ability to have ATMs instead of having to use places like local Bitcoins, things like that. So um, it's kind of funny to hear, you know, cause I, like I said, 2017 is when I really got into like the crypto community and all that stuff. And localbitcoins.com was a totally different place by then. You know, it's uh, it's one of those places where it's like Craigslist, but almost worse. <laughs> you almost don't want to meet anybody on local Bitcoins. And- yeah, it can be a little sketchy nowadays cause well, one, you got, um, I mean, you don't really have the KYC factor like you do with Conbase and uh, what is this, uh, you know, Square, uh, the Cash App and stuff yes. like that. And other, wait, other wait, wait, wait. Did, did, did you just say Conbase? 
You did. <laughs> you did, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Delete, Not wrong. You need that shit, man. That's, that's, a, that's a great way to get tracked. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, don't, you know, don't, the, whole point, the whole point of this is, you know, you know, everybody should take privacy really seriously. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like like now, like a lot, a lot of you know, you go on local bitcoins. Um, you know, you know they want they want you to like you know transfer to the bank account. That all leaves a paper trail. Um, I always like just dealing directly in cash. Um, you know, because cash cash is you know it's best used by criminals and terrorists and everything else. So, wait, I thought that was only Bitcoin. Yeah, that's it's that's more cash. You know. Despite what Steve Mnuchin tells you, cash is used mostly, you know, especially pallets of cash. But yeah, yeah, I just assume use it for its intended purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of good uses for it. I mean, crypto is has become such an amazing thing beyond just simply a currency. You know, like the the amazing things that people have come up with to build with the blockchain data structure is just crazy. It's really cool to see where this is going. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of interesting experimentation going on. It's it's pretty exciting to see it evolve. There's also a lot of scams out there. You got to you really got to do your research. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Like what? Just a few hours ago, the SEC announced uh, they were uh, they were uh, freezing all of Veritasium's um, uh, bank accounts. Mm-hmm. They were they're hit, they're hitting them for like eight million dollars in uh, in violations. Oh yeah, as, as we saw that this morning. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how how well they do in fighting the SEC. Yeah, in in my opinion, and through all the research that I do, I mean, I I, I do a lot of reading. Um, you know, I, I I take this, I take the, I take the the Bitcoin space pretty seriously. You know, I got, um, you know, this is this is like a one in a, you know, once in a human history event that we're witnessing. So I take it pretty seriously. I, I I do a lot of reading, and I try to stay up on top of all the of all the uh, all the actions that the government's taking, not just the U.S. government, but uh, you know other other governments around the world, and how they're either transforming or fighting it. But I think uh, I I think you know eventually, as it becomes more of a threat. Right now, we're just uh, you know, we're just a little guppy in in the ocean. But I think. You know, as as we progress, it's going to get more and more of a threat, and I think they're going to go after who they can. So I think you know, it's just a you know, it, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's I, I think they're going to I think they're going to start coming down hard once once they're well aware of how big of a threat it is right now. It's just kind of like a you know, one of those flies that just fly around and bother you. Yep. I mean, wrong or otherwise, you just need to be vigilant. I think that's the most important thing. Exactly. Just be vigilant. Stay on top of it. Yeah, it just it falls into it falls into my stance on on control, and you know not not wanting control as far as what it is right now. You know, I mean, I'm all about structure. I'm all about you know having leadership in a country. I'm all about having governance, but to have total control about what you can do and what you can't. You know, and the fact that crypto is so new. And the fact that they don't know what it is, they 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 don't have a clue yet. And I think they're, it's going to take them some time to figure that out. But when they actually realize what it is and that they can't tax it in the manner that they want to tax it, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of change coming. But it's already been determined in the Supreme Court that 
you know, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are to fall under the free speech of this country. So they can't like ban it, but they can, you know, they can fluctuate and screw with the avenues to get into it. That's about it. So yeah, that, that's right. Right. All, all the all the layer two solutions they can screw with. You know, if you're if you're a, if you're a company built on top of the Bitcoin network, you know, if you have an address, if you have a CEO or board members or you know uh, public you know public figures involved with with that company, then yeah, you can you could be targeted. But they you know there's no way that they can they can I mean they can claim just like China's done for what. Eight, eight, nine, ten times over history to try to ban Bitcoin, it only makes it stronger. You know, it's it's like going yeah. back to, uh, to telling your kids they can't do something, right? You tell your kids they can't exactly. do something, they're just going to go do it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> Watch me. It's like what you know when when they passed prohibition, you know what what did it do? It just made people, you know, it made more, it produced more alcoholics. It, it, it gave birth to you know organized crime. You know, yeah. it had a had an adverse effect. Will, will they learn? Probably not. They'll probably they'll try not. To do everything they can. Yeah. But I guess my point, I guess my point of that statement that I made was simply that you know to say we're going to be targeted or to say that we're going to be you know it's like we're going to be hunted because we're criminals. We're not, and that's the thing. I we can't we can't succumb to that fear of being labeled as such because we're not. It's plain and simple. And once they fully understand what we're into, you know, I'm not opposed to paying taxes as long as it's a fair tax. That's my only bitch. Right. Well, that, that's the other thing. Like the, the, the SEC, the IRS, and the FTC, the, uh, the, you know, federal, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, yeah. they, uh, they, they, all, they all have deemed Bitcoin a completely different entity. Like, you know, uh, the SEC has claimed that property, the, uh, the IRS has claimed it, um, uh, like, a, like a, like a taxable currency, like, like none of the, none, none of the government agencies can, can all get on board. They can agree on one thing and that's that they're going to label it, whatever is most beneficial for that particular government agency. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, like, come on guys. It's not surprising, but it's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, we, we all we all we all know how government works. They oh, know, yeah. they move like a slow ship. You know, they take they take forever. But we, which I think benefits us because you know we we keep building, we keep you know we we keep going forward. By the time they figure it out, it's going to be well well too late for them to actually do anything. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, just a simple fact of the of the change in power that's coming. You know, I mean, the the whole reason is. You know, because they're worried about the power structure of the world and they're worried about all these people that are in power that have control that are making money hand over fist off the working man. And now, you know what? Some of that control is in the hands of the working man and it's pissing them off and it's scaring big money. It's scaring these people that are like the elite that put themselves in this bracket above everybody else. And you know what, some bitch, you put your pants on the same way I do, one leg at a time. So let's go eye to eye. Let's talk about this like men instead of chasing us like criminals. Bullshit. And, 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 the, and the other, the other, the other big thing is more and more people are losing trust in their institutions and, and their governments, and we're seeing that Absolutely. all around the world. I mean, you know, like what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on in France, what's going on in in Portugal and Spain, Venezuela, and just recently, you know, we got what uh, two days of twenty five percent declines in Argentina peso. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's 
you know, Argentina is in complete depression right now, you know, because people, people just continue to lose faith in the financial institutions and their government. And it's only a matter of time before this shit pops off in the U S. Yes, exactly. I agree. So to kind of lighten the subject a little bit, um, it says here that Steve holds, uh, he, he's earned the position of a, a keeper of the keys for you. So can you give us a little background that about that and how cats are considered assholes? <laughs> and they're not to be trusted. Yeah, he's, he's my he's my rescue dog. I, um, a, a friend of mine. She works at a she works at a local rescue, and I went to go uh, take her out to lunch. And um, I saw this saw this dog that they just got, and I said, "Yeah," because I got I got two cats. You know, they were uh, I had them since they were you know they fit in the palm of my hand, and um, you know. Oh, a small, you know, a, a dog is a good, uh, good addition to the family. I, I work a lot, so it's, it's nice to have a bunch of animals running around tearing my house up while I'm away at work, giving me something to do when I come home. So Steve, Steve's a good dog. He's a mutt. Don't even, don't even know what, what mix he is, but yeah, he, essentially, you know, he can, uh, you know, he, it, it was just kind of like one of those little uh, satires, uh, you know, he's the only one I trust in my keys, meaning that, you know, trust <laughs> nobody perfect. in your keys. You know, as as we get older, you know, you're going to want to think about, you know, leaving access to your keys to somebody. What I've done is, um, you know, my nephews, I don't have kids, don't plan on it, but, um, you know, what I did is I set up, uh, I set up a little, like scavenger hunt type of game. Yeah. That's cool. It gives you, it gives you access to my safe. Once you get access to my safe, you have to kind of solve some riddles for the combination. Once you get into the safe, then you have, uh, then there's a, you know, a pile of, uh, of thumb drives. And once you open those thumb drives, you have somewhat of another riddle that, uh, that leads you to uh, the wallets with the private keys. You know, so if, uh, you know, so say the house burns down and all it's left is the safe, um, you know, and, you know, somebody, somebody forbids, God forbids they get into the safe, they, yeah, they'll have, they might have access to those thumb drives, but they won't have access to those keys. So it's like right. kind of like a, you know, think of a, think of a multi, think of a multi-sig for your private keys. But, exactly. Uh, but kind of, but kind of like a self-solution. That's, That's awesome. pretty slick. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, different ways of managing your private keys and things like that, but I don't think I've ever seen anything so creative. No, me either. That's cool as shit. I was, I was afraid you were going to say you shaved your dog's ass and tattooed him there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to see my, you got to shave the dog's ass to find him. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, no because then somebody will put a bounty on your dog you got to do it to somebody else's dog and don't tell them when they're a puppy <laughs> yeah but the problem is i'll probably outlive dogs so <laughs> exactly what, 14 15 years yeah about that hopefully i got, got another 20 left if i don't you know get on some boat and have some boating accident lose my keys like all these other fools right you oh you mean like an exit scam oh wait no i didn't just say that <laughs> oh shit those don't exist in crypto no not at all <laughs> so banks i want to talk about your house a little bit you mentioned it a little bit earlier um sounds to me like you've put a shit ton of work into this thing it was built in 1888 you've been working on it for what 10 years now 
Yeah, I bought it. Uh, I bought it around. I'm gonna say 2009. Yeah, about 2009. Um, I was. Uh, I was pretty fortunate to have a really awesome grandfather that was very active in the markets. Uh, as when I was young, you know, he kind of like took me under his wing and kind of prepared me for the real world. And so after the after the housing crash, you know, there was all these houses on you know selling at a discount. You know, the market was kind of flooded. People were trying to get out of their get out of their uh, their over leveraged properties so i had a bit of money saved and um so i bought this one house it was uh had a lot of had a lot of potential had a lot of character um and i knew it had to be done i knew about how much it would cost so i kind of dumped it uh, i just recently put it on the market i had a i had an offer that i accepted about uh i want to say three or four days ago so I'm just waiting for the uh, waiting for the paperwork to go through, and then it will most likely go into uh, uh, you know most likely go into what do you call it? Uh, uh, um, it's gone. You know. The- <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Yep, it's gone. <laughs> I, I was I was trying I was trying to sell it for like twenty five Bitcoin, but. Um, I got to thinking, I'm like, well, it's probably a bad offset um, move on my part, you know, because, I mean, in, you know, in like 10 years, you know, that shit, that shit will be on record. And, you right. know, if, uh, you know, if, if shit goes down, then, you know, the wrong people will know I got at least 25 Bitcoin. So, um, but no, I, I did accept an offer on that. That, that, was, that was a really fun house to work on. Um, but that that is going that that did go on the market, and I did get a I did get an offer that I accepted, so that was pretty good. I got a I got I have an I have an apartment down in Hell's Kitchen in uh, down in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, had that for a little while. Um, that that went on the market as well. So I I figure this is the this is the peak of the housing market right now before the bubble pops or before the multi bubble pops. So yeah. I might as well I might as well cash out now at the peak, and then yep. if I really want to if I really want to rebuy or re up on some more real estate, I can I can wait a few. Do it on the dip. Hell yeah! Yeah, I mean, you know, have, have, having you know having experience in the in the in the crypto markets, you can you know you can you kind of you can spot the, stuff the, like that now. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I mean, you know as well as anybody that. The, the crypto market moves like a, a thousand times faster than traditional markets. Oh my you know, god! So, so in in reality, we learn a thousand times faster. So yeah, that's it, it that's my view in real estate. With cars on with cars on the other hand, I, I try to keep them around, even though even though they're a money pit, and I'll never sell them for what I got into them. It's more of like uh, you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my ass all day, and I'm gonna come home, and I'm gonna go for a little cruise. You know, go for a nice drive and, you know, enjoy a nice old car. Right. So brownies are my specialty because I'm a fat kid that likes cake. So tell me about the primary ingredient to the special brownies that you made. <laughs> the special brownies. You saw yeah. that picture of the bowl. <laughs> so there's, so I have, I have this old recipe 
So you uh, you take a you take about an ounce of ounce of really good weed, and you put it yep. on a plate. And you take scissors. You don't want to you don't want to crush the flowers. You want to use scissors, and you just kind of like you know clip them. Keep clipping them until kind of you know almost like a like a grinder. You know you know when you put buds in a grinder, mm-hmm. you get that nice you know yeah, yeah. leaf consistency. And then I put it in a saute pan, so I get uh, say one pound of butter versus one ounce of weed. And um, I cook that. I set a timer for exactly 30 minutes, not 29 minutes, not 31 minutes. 31 minutes, you, there's something about the 31, the 30-minute mark that releases the maximum amount of THC in that butter. Now, you don't, you know, you want to you wanna simmer it. You want the dial to be on like two on your, uh, on your burner. And you saute it and you stir it a little bit with a wooden spoon and you cook that thing for exactly, exactly 30 minutes. You take it off the fire. You, you use a, like a rubber spatula. You pull it out of the, uh, you, you pull it out of the pan so it stops cooking. You put it into a, into a nice stainless steel bowl. And then I add like a double fudge brownie mix. Like an, like, uh, like, like, uh, two eggs, uh, um, you know, you want to use about maybe about a quarter of the oil that the recipe calls for because you got all that butter in there, and then you know, and then mix it up and bake it. But that, uh, you know, with, you know, the, the thirty-minute rule is uh, it releases the maximum amount of THC, so it basically it turns your it turns your feet into concrete blocks. Good lord. You know, Chef Ramsey, dude, Chef Ramsey would have a field day with your ass. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> From Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually met him in real life. He's, he, he, he's, he's, actually, um, he's actually really, really cool and laid back in real life. Obviously, that's his, like, you know. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm for sure. Persona, but he, he's pretty cool. I was, uh, you know, but as, as I was going through college, I, I worked part time as a chef, and uh, I, I worked for a pretty well known chef in Los Angeles. And um, uh, he was good friends with uh, Chef Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey, there, and he'd come in quite a bit. And uh, you know, you kind of get to know him a little bit. And uh, yeah, he he was a lot of fun. He was uh, he was a little arrogant prick, but you know, still a lot of fun. You know, loved loved <laughs> the drinking part. You know what? When you're when you're that damn good, you can be arrogant. I'm sorry. You you can have a little bit of that. You know, and it's just it's so ironic that that little statement that I just pulled out of my ass created that that response from you because it, I would have never guessed you were a, a chef at one time and that you actually met this guy right. And it, that that's so cool. I, I'm glad it kind of evolved into that. It's kind of weird how things happen and lead. You know what I mean? Yeah, life life is funny. You know the 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 situations you find yourself in to uh, you know to propel yourself forward. You know, it's uh, it's pretty funny where you find yourself. You know, I, uh, I I worked at a restaurant called Spago in in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard for uh-huh. actually I worked for about three and a half years. Um, and that was headed up by uh, Wolfgang Puck, um, and I was r- really lucky to get the job. It actually started as an apprenticeship um, to a really good friend of mine. And uh, I started out as, you know, just a prep cook and worked my way up to, to a wine cook and then a saucier and we started making pizzas and shit there. And ultimately we started doing like the uh, the Academy Award dinners, which is a really big deal. Uh, so I, I learned a lot from him. Um, 
but you know, he, he pulled me aside and he says, you know, um, you can either go to culinary school or you can work for a whole bunch of great chefs, but you can't work for me for your whole career. So after a certain amount of time, you're either going to find another kitchen to work in, un- work under a- another great chef, or I'm going to fire you. So, but the, the point, the point he was trying to make is if you're not going to go to culinary school and you're just going to, you know, power through the, you know, power through the, you know, the program is that, you know, you want to work under a whole bunch of different chefs with different, uh, yes. different styles. And this way you can develop your own style. So, we'll, you know, ultimately when you become an executive chef for your own restaurant or, you know, somebody else's restaurant, you have your own style and you're not kind of ripping off other people's recipes and, you know, kind of biting off, you know, biting off what you've learned from other people. There's a lot to be said about that being in a, a, a trade industry, you know, like a cra- I would say, I would call being a chef a trade, right? And, and I'm a tradesman myself. I'm a carpenter and it relates the same. It's like, you, you know, you don't want an apprentice to stay underneath one foreman for a, a long period of time. You want to move him around so that he can get a feel of different techniques. And, and like you said, make it, make himself him, his own. And, and make his own name out there, right? So, yeah, I can totally appreciate where that comes from. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, just like in construction, you know, I mean, obviously depending on, you know, where you're located geographically, you know, um, you know, if you're working in the Southwest, you're doing a lot of stucco, you're doing a lot of, you know, uh, clay tile and, you know, maybe some maybe some slate roofs, a lot of plaster. Like, you know, I'm, I'm out here in the Northeast and, you know, very rarely do we do any plaster or, um, I mean, we do a lot of plaster, but very rarely do we do a lot of stucco or, um, or Spanish tile roofs. Right. It's all asphalt for the most part, you know, asphalt shingles yeah. is, is the primary component we use up here in the North, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it lasts with the freezing thaw cycles, you know, with the weather. Um, but un- unfortunately for the, you know, the house that I have, um, you know, that doesn't, you know, you can't really use the mortar, uh, you know, the mortar beds when you set the, uh, the cap tiles and, and your, uh, and your closed ends because of the freezing thaw cycle will basically crack it apart. And, and, and once the ice freezes, it's going to yank that shit right down. And then you got to get back up to the ladder every year to fix it. So it's a, it's a real pain in the ass, you know, the, you know, going back to the concept of what, what you had to do at Spago and what he told you on that is like, it really applies to the crypto industry and every, I mean, every other thing that you're working on in general, as far as I'm concerned, you got to get out of your comfort. zone. Absolutely. If you're comfortable, you're dead, you know? Yeah, man, that's just, it's it. the only way you're going to grow. You got to keep exactly. going, you know, whether it's cooking different styles or, or doing different types of roofing or working on different things in a project, be it marketing or, or development or something, get out of your comfort zone, learn something new and just keep building yourself. You know, don't ever stop learning. Everybody likes to think they're done at some point. It all comes down to how you view art. You know, like, uh, you know, within art, there's, you know, hundreds of different mediums, whether it's, whether it's, um, you know, uh, auto mechanics, whether it's construction, whether it's food. I mean, everything, you know, you always start with raw materials and you have a vision for what you want it to become as a finished product. You know, so it's, I mean, every, everything in life is a medium that falls under the, under the siege of art. Absolutely. Heck yeah. All right. So let's dig into cars real quick before we get too <laughs> far and I've run out of time. So, 
I'm intrigued by the story of your first car. So you started with a 1967 Sunbeam Alpine. You brought it home yeah, that, that, in pieces. That was a death of me. <laughs> that was a death of me. So my my father, so in my uh, my childhood, my father used to race dragsters in the NHRA. So basically, every every birthday, I would get like you know something stupid like a you know like a like a carburetor, not a new one. One that one that was fucked up and I had to rebuild. Oh yeah. Um, but he would, you know, I I grew up around burnt rubber and gasoline and oil and all that shit. So when I was uh, when I was fourteen, I was living in Florida, in Tampa, and I don't know if you've ever been to Florida, but they have these huge outdoor flea markets. You know, where where everybody sells everything, and and it's it's you know it's like a if you were to take everything available from Amazon and put it under a tent in, in a field. That's what it was like. Wow. So I remember one, I remember one summer, you know, we went to, uh, we went to, it was like winter Haven, Florida. It's like in the, you know, just South of Orlando. Um, we went to this, uh, we went to this big flea market and, um, my dad decided to buy this, uh, Sunbeam Alpine. It was in like, boxes and bushel baskets and it was in parts and he brought it back and we, we got back home and he's like this is your first car and i said i don't even know how to drive yet he's like well before you can drive you got to learn how to you got to learn you know how a car is made and how it's built and how it's put together so when it breaks you don't want to pay you know 50 60 bucks an hour for a mechanic to do it you're gonna you know how to do it yourself so about a, it was about a year, year and a half. Um, you know, he and I both worked on it every night, weekends. We put the thing together. You know, there was a few things missing, obviously. So, you know, we ordered some new parts, some new chrome, um, and put it together. It was a really cool car. That's neat. Um, really, really fast. Um, you know, back in the 60s, Sunbeam was a track car. It was, uh, they, used to, they used to race Sunbeams back in, you know, Sunbeams and Jaguars. Um, and, uh, Lister, Lister used to make this really, really sick, uh, two seater sports car. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it, you know, Sunbeam was a staple on the race circuit. Um, it wasn't really popular as like a daily driver. It was more of like a track car, um, had a, had a more narrower wheelbase in the, in the rear. Um, the suspension was insane. Um, so insane that Jaguar, um, Sunbeam ended up suing Jaguar because they stole their uh, suspension design. No oh, shit. Um, and, then, and then when uh, when Sunbeam uh, stopped production, um, Jaguar ended up buying the rights to uh, to a lot of their designs and implementing uh, their suspension products uh, based on the Sunbeam uh, the, the Sunbeam structure. So it, it was a really interesting car. I mean, you don't, you not only get the learn how it's built from the ground up and you you know you get to learn a little bit about the history um you know i had like dual stromberg carburetors there's about like a 108 110 um cubic uh it was like uh yeah it was like a hundred it was like a 110 cubic inch engine it's a small four cylinder but the um the compression the compression ratio was was insane a lot of power it was the um 
know, the, the power to weight ratio on those cars were insane. So you could go super fast, four speed transmission, uh, but it handled like a slot car, you know, for, for the time, you know, in the, in the sixties, it was just uh, way ahead of its time as far as uh, grip and handling. We all know that uh, without grip and handling, it doesn't matter how much power you've got. You can't get it on the road. Then what's the point? Yeah, like, like my, my my father used to go straight and fast. He he started out with the uh, with 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 dragsters, like these you know the uh-huh. old school dragsters where where you sit behind the engine. Right. You know, it had like this little basket. Um. You know, and like this huge, like you know, five hundred cubic inch custom built, you know, full alcohol engine. Um. You know, I've seen a lot of crazy shit as a kid. I'm like, fuck, man, this is, I'll, I'll never do that again. <laughs> but, um, I can imagine. But yeah, you know, I, I, that, that was my first car. It didn't last long. Um, you know, father and father and I got in a huge, huge fight. And uh, I ended up I ended up getting rid of it. And I got a 68 uh, Chevelle SS. Nice. I wanted something a little bit more ballsy, a little bit more manly. Because, you know, looking back, you know, when you're like, you know, when you're in high school, I mean, it's kind of a cool car and everything, but, you know, it's at the same time, it's kind of a bitch car, you know? <laughs> so I want yeah, to, you I know, the Chevelle's got that, like, <laughs> I love it. To it right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it's definitely not a bad car. Unless you're dating the Princess of Wales, you know, you're kind of like a, look like a bitch driving <laughs> the thing, you know what I mean? I wanted a muscle car, so I went, I went for the muscle car, and then, you know, I shifted to, you know, some older Ford pickups and like, you know, like 62 F100. And, and as I got a little bit older and um, got a little bit more educated and kind of slowed down in life a little bit, I started getting into the old Cadillacs. Um, you know, I, I, first bought a, I first bought a 64 Cadillac, um, converted it with a, with an LS1 engine uh, out of a, out of a newer uh, Corvette. Um, I wanted that thing just screaming fast. I ended up, I, I was in, I lived in Vegas for a while and I had that, it was a black 64 Coupe de Ville. And um, I was partnering in a, in a nightclub in Vegas and I ended up uh, getting really fucked up with a stripper <laughs> and, and, and wrecked, the, wrecked the car. And it kind of, it kind of sat with me for a little while and I was pretty depressed about wrecking the car despite wrecking the, wrecking the stripper. Um, so I ended up getting another one and rebuilding it and, and treating it with a little bit more respect, the car, not the stripper. <laughs> and, um, I like, and, and I, and I like caddies, you know, so I, I picked up, uh, I, I came across a 1950, uh, Cadillac, you know, it was like the first year with the solid windshield, you know, 49, it had the split windshield. Um, but, but the downside is I'm not really big on four doors. So I had the, I had you know, the 1950 had four doors. I ended up, uh, ended up fabricating uh, suicide doors for the rear. That was kind of cool. I ended up stripping it down, putting a, you know, putting a, uh, putting a big block 350 in that, uh, putting a roll cage in it, just kind of stripping it down, kind of getting it light because you know old Cadillacs are heavy as shit, man. They're just rolling tanks. Oh yeah. Um, it, that was uh, the, the the 50 was was a. Uh, was kind of like my 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 streetcar for a while. You know, I'd take it to take it to the local strip and uh, race it for money. Um, but the the '64, my blood red '64, that's uh, that's kind of my baby. You know, I 
I wrecked the first one being really young and stupid. And, uh, but you know, this time I'll keep it around. I got, I got probably about almost 40 grand into the thing. I rescued it. I rescued it in a barn in Georgia. Um, it happened to be driving, driving, driving down the, the, the freeway. Nice. And, uh, I saw the nose of the, the car poking out of the, poking out of the barn. Hell no. Hell no. And, uh, after the, after the tour is over, I ended up going back and finding it again and made the guy an offer. Uh, I ended up buying it for 800 bucks and, uh, put it on a flatbed and shipped it back to LA and started rebuilding it. Nothing like a true barn find. Yeah. That, it, that's it. Yeah. Those, I mean, those old caddies are awesome. I got a, I got a 52 Chevy style line, two door that I'm working on right now. And I, uh, I saw a car, uh, hell it must've been two or three years ago. Now it was a 51 Chevy. Uh, it was a four door, but what they had done is, uh, taken the, the quarter panels off of a 52 Cadillac, you know, how they kind of have that little kick up fin at the end, but not that big, long angle one, but it's got that little kick up fin right at the very end. And they, uh, uh, swapped those out and, and put those onto the, the 51. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what, that shit looked slick. It was, uh, it was chopped. I had the fifty-two. Yeah, I, I saw the pictures of it. It looks nasty. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to get that done and do that on mine. I think it would look fucking sick. And I, I keep going back and forth between whether, I, whether I want to do that or not, or if I want to. I'm, I'm really tempted to do the fifty-two quarter panels, oh, and then French exactly. in some fifty-nine taillights, and just kind of like mash that all up. But I don't know if I can accomplish it. But uh, I'm, I'm not as much of a body man as I'd like to be. When it comes to uh, sheet metal, so <laughs> you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what you can accomplish when you're presented with a challenge. Oh yeah, I've done it, and I can I can make my way through it. So, and if I if I'm slow and, and careful with it, it might take me 600 fuck ups. I'll get there, but uh, <laughs> it's not my it's for my, you. So, but I'll I'll get there. There's, there's nothing that I won't at least try. So let me ask you this last question: If if you could have any power in the world right which would you which would you want and what would you use it for like superpower yeah any kind of power like power power over mm, somebody's thought or power over uh you know water power over the earth you know what would you if you could have any power in the air in the world what would you want and what would you use it for yeah that's a that's a fucked up question <laughs> that's a deep one uh, that, that's hard, man. Um, it is. It's a toss-up between uh, unlimited wishes, <laughs> like rubbing a genie lamp, or uh, or being able to go back in time for sure. Right. Um, I know the. Uh, I know you're not supposed to go back in time and change the future, but. So what would you what what would you do with that if you could go back into the future? Right, and then or go back in time, and then come back into the future, into the present day. What would you do with that information? What would you use it for? <sighs> I'd buy, buy fucking as many bitcoins as I could for twenty five cents. Right on. Go back in time and, and uh, um, buy all the bitcoin and and figure out exactly what Craig Wright was doing at the time. It <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, take a take, take a bunch of Polaroids. Yeah, or uh, yeah, take take a bunch of digital photos and create a create a really nice uh, really nice timeline to just troll the fuck out of them. 
<laughs> I, I, I smell an extortion case coming on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just some sketchy shit. What he what, what he was doing with with suing people and doxing oh, yeah. people. Like, You're not you kidding. Know, how, how, how he was how he was doxing Hollow Lot and and you know suing Peter McCormick and you know it's just it's just some sketchy shit. You know, if he was the real Satoshi, fucking. You know, Satoshi would have never done that shit. No, you know I mean? hell no. Number one, number he was one, too humble. Two, yeah, he, he. I mean, look what he did. He basically created, he created something so beautiful, and he just walked away from it and left it for the community to decide, how, you know, what to do with it and where yep. to take it. Yeah, you know? exactly. And somebody that humble, somebody that humble would never would never do what what Craig Wright would even hope hope to do you know what i mean it's just it's yeah, it, it's, it's it's such a beautiful story you know it, it really is it, you know <laughs> if you it, think it, about you know, it why, yeah it, it, it's it's insane to even try to wrap your head around it it is it is you know it's just the power yeah like you know you, you're talking about like all, you know all these powerful people i mean you know you, you you present anybody with any kind of power anywhere in the world out of the six and a half, seven billion people, pretty much every single one of them would take advantage of it, except and that for one sucks. person. It really yeah, it sucks. sucks. It does. It sucks bad. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's just something to be said about integrity, and it's just falling apart in this world, and it's really frustrating. And I don't like to look at negatives too often, but that's probably one of the biggest things that frustrates me about this space. It frustrates me about the world in general because we've lost sight of humanity along the way somewhere to where we're focused on ourselves and we're not worried about anybody else. And and that to me is just, it's a loss. It's a loss of humanity. It's a loss of, of compassion for humanity. So that frustrates me, but you know what? There's not much we can do about it other than try and set the example moving forward and, and try and, you know, feed people with positivity because it breeds positivity. So, you know, on that note, man, this has been an incredible podcast. We really enjoyed having you on the show and I, we could go on for another two hours. I mean, this is just insane. And you are, you know, you remind me of the fucking Doseki commercial, you know, the most interesting man in the world. You, you've covered so many bases tonight and, and your, your stories are just, your stories are just crazy, man. And I'm, I'm telling you, it was really fun and I had a lot of, I had a good time. So, you know, thanks for coming on the show. This was awesome. I I definitely look forward yeah, I mean, to a I part two. Had a blast. It's Absolutely, it'll happen. You find somebody just based off of a picture. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you, know, you find somebody based off of a picture of their car, and and that uh, leads to a pretty cool conversation. So, it's, <laughs> it's been cool having you, man. We can't wait till number two. Absolutely. Yeah, let me know. Definitely. Thanks again, man. Cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, yep. thank yeah, you. Good night, man. Have a good one. Talk to you later. That was cool. That's crazy. Like. I searched for XMR. I got attracted to a Cadillac <laughs> and we end up talking to professional chef slash mechanic slash everything else who worked for worked at Spago with Wolfgang Puck. Like, yeah. <laughs> and knows, and knows uh, what's his name from Hell's Kitchen? Chef Ramsey. I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. How does that happen? Right. And all I did was make a joke. And it just sparked that conversation. And it was like, wow, that just does not happen, Professor. No. That just doesn't happen. But, you know, it's really cool to find somebody else who's got like, you know, that same mindset as us when it comes to 
like skill sets and things like that. Like we, yes. we, you and I both like doing other things and we're willing to, to learn new stuff and try new things. You don't find many people that are that multi-talented that have been through so many different things in life, you know, building up to where they're at now and where they're at today, you know, and what they're doing with what they've learned. That that's, that's the cool part, you know? So I, like I said, we could have, that, that podcast could have ran, this thing could run for another hour, two hours easy and never really get boring at all. You know, yeah. so you a 24 hour podcast on this. Good to go. Oh my goodness. You know, so tonight, you know, or whatever night this is that this gets released, I'm sure it's going to be this week sometime. And I, I can guarantee you there's going to be a live broadcast from Mitch and Clint Westwood and the, you know, the Midwest adoption team somewhere along the way, because we're going to be doing this every night this week. So oh, yeah. all the way through Sunday. So it's, it's going to be a big time. Um, really enjoyed our podcast tonight though. It was yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what you and Clint come up with and what kind of antics you guys managed oh, to get in. We are going to get into some shit. <laughs> well, you just wait, you just wait till oh. St. Louis. Cause you're going to be there and you're going to be yeah. going, Oh my God. No, Mitch, you're not doing this. No, Mitch, come on. You tell me you're not doing this. <laughs> I'm just going to have to handcuff you to a pole or something. Maybe actually, I take that back. I'm correct. I'm I'm backpedaling really fast. On that. <laughs> you better be, because I wasn't gonna touch that shit. <laughs> oh no, lord. Okay, anyway, I'm such that. a bad influence on you. This is gonna be a great weekend. I'm telling uh, you. <laughs> oh, guys, thanks for showing up tonight. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. You know, we say it all the time. We do this for you. This is about the community. You're on our pedestal and thank you for supporting us. We, we, we so much appreciate that. And, and we enjoy bringing all of you onto the show and lifting you up to the community and letting the community meet you and what you're about. That's what the show is. That's what the show is. Because of that, you know, like we don't meet people like this because we go after the CEOs of the the coins who only want to talk about their coin. Right. We, we get to meet these people because we find random ass dudes on Twitter that have pretty cars. Yeah. <laughs> or you get the occasional, I don't know anything about crypto other than a minute and I got some. Okay, so what? Come on yeah, the so show. Talk, talk about everything else. You know, we talked to Randy Berry for a whole hour and she's barely touched crypto. Yeah. So on that note, my dinner's been ready for 20 minutes. Mr. Clint has been cooking <laughs> and slaving over the hot barbecue, and he's been looking at me for the last 20 minutes going, are you almost done? Yeah, Wrap right. Come on. Wrap we got to eat. Yeah, so go eat. I'm going to go some. eat. <laughs> you <laughs> Have a great evening, and uh, we look forward to talking to everybody soon. Follow us on Twitter. You know, Follow us on YouTube. Like us on YouTube. Please leave us comments when you can. It'll help build us up. It'll help, you know, get us out there to other people to enjoy. And that's what this is about. This is about being around for everyone. And thank you. That's that's my last line. Thank you very much. Have a great night. You guys take it easy. Peace.